Hello, everyone, and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 34. And today we're looking at the subject of prayer. You know, last week I was chatting with someone and she was at a crossroads in her life and she was wondering about her future and what was going to happen. And her parting words were, well, it's already written what will happen. And then she walked away. And I thought, well, that's an interesting perspective. It's already written what will happen. I thought, what an interesting perspective. I, I thought, do I agree with that? You know, it's that idea that life is like the plot in a story in a novel. You know, certain things will happen because it's all already written. Or uh, what's for you won't go past you. You know, that kind of thing. It's actually a philosophy. It's called predeterminism. And it's the idea that all events of history, past, present and future, have already been decided. Well, that got me thinking about prayer and, you know, why, why bother praying if whatever will be, will be, right? Does God actually change the course of events? Do we pray so that God will change the course of events? I mean, after all, we've all had the experience of praying and asking and nothing really changes. We've all had that experience. So today we're going to be looking at the, the, the power of prayer and the difference that prayer makes. And our passage is Luke 9. It's actually called the Transfiguration Passage. And I think when we're talking about prayer, we're thinking about prayer, I think we would all agree it's easier to talk to God than it is to listen to God. So if we have a need or a worry or a concern, sooner or later, you know, we're going to start to talk to God about that, you know. You're in bed, you can't sleep, you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, what happens? You're worried about something, and it immediately comes to your mind. And oftentimes that can sort of morph into a prayer. God, what am I going to do here? Or how can I fix this? Or what should I say? Or how can I change this situation? And the heart cry becomes a prayer. Well, the, the next is the trickier part. What is God saying to me? How do I hear this guidance? How do I hear this wisdom that I need. I'm talking, I'm thinking, I'm seeking. I know where the answer's to be found, but I'm still going in circles and nothing's clear to me. And yet all throughout the scripture, God promises, I'll lead you, I'll guide you. Remember one of Jesus' favorite sayings, I'm, I'm your shepherd, my sheep hear my voice. And yet, sometimes as a sheep, we're like, I can't hear God. I have no idea what God's saying to me here. What's the problem with me? How come I can't hear? Well, I think what Jesus would say is, one of the things he teaches is, is that the trouble is, is that you have ears, but you don't hear. In other words, he's referring to spiritual listening. Jesus would say, it's not 
a case of God being silent. It's more a case that most of us have never been taught how to listen. We've never ever really been taught how to listen. So here's, let me look at this passage here with you. And we're, we're in Luke 9, commonly called the Transfiguration. Basically, very briefly, what happens is Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray. So there's your context. This happens during a time of prayer. While he's on the mountain praying, he takes his three closest disciples with him, Peter, James, and John. And Peter, James, and John witness a very unusual phenomena. What happens is, is that while Jesus is praying, his appearance changes, and his clothes become a dazzling white, and he's filled with light, and Moses and Elijah, who are prophets from hundreds of years ago, in other words, they were they had been dead hundreds of years ago when Jesus started to speak to them on the mountaintop. He starts to speak to Moses and Elijah, these once-dead prophets. And Luke tells us that all three of them are filled with light. They're radiating this light. And they're talking to him. Moses and Elijah are talking to Jesus about his up-and-coming departure, meaning his death because this happens at the end of Jesus' life, or near the end of Jesus' life. So Peter and James and John are witnessing all of this, and they're completely awestruck, and they don't know what to say, and, and they're, they're just looking. And then, all of a sudden, out of the cloud, which is always symbolic of God's presence, out of the cloud, this voice speaks, and it's the voice of God. And the voice says in verse 35, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. So this voice from the cloud, the voice of God, speaks to the disciples. This is my beloved son, listen to him. That listen as in practice his teaching. Uh, learn about this narrow way, follow him, that kind of listening. Learn how to live this way. Now, so the first thing I want to point out is, is that the whole idea of the transfiguration, it's a way to encourage these disciples, Peter, James, and John. It's, it's really for their sake. And then all the other disciples, all the other students down throughout the centuries, right down to us, to this present day. Listen to him. That's the message. So even, you know, even if we look at the transfiguration passage and we're completely confused by it and we don't really understand exactly what's going on, at least that one thing is really clear. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Now, here's the thing about listening. It is hard, difficult. It's difficult to listen to people, let alone listen to God. I mean, to truly listen to a person, you have to learn to be quiet. And I'm talking about internally quiet. You have to learn, we have to learn how to, how to suspend 
all judgment, which is very difficult, isn't it? Because usually in conversation, you're waiting for your turn so that you can give your opinion, give your advice, have your say in the matter. And that's not really listening, is it? That's just waiting for your turn to speak. But if we want to learn how to truly listen to people, we have to practice not giving opinions, not rushing in and fixing the problem, not giving advice, not thinking for other people, not disagreeing, just paying attention and waiting and listening. And this is not the first natural response for the majority of people, including myself. But I think that these, these learned responses, you know, they, they come naturally to us. Natural as in, we don't even think about it. We're not even taught this. It's just our natural, ego-given, uh, driven life. We give opinions, we fix people, we advise, we disagree. And all of these things can actually get in the way of hearing people and the exact same is true when we talk about hearing God. What is true of listening to people is also true about listening to God. It's really exactly the same. We have to learn how to suspend judgment, which in the old, the biblical way of saying it is we have to learn how to wait on God. Well, what does that mean? Well, if we're waiting we're truly open to whatever God would say. We ha and I spoke about this last week or two podcasts ago. We have to give time. We have to give it enough time. We have to have enough internal space for something new to drop in, another way to come to us. This is my son, my chosen Listen to him. Listen to him. And again, this event is, is, is for the strengthening of the students, Peter, James and John, and all the other students down throughout the centuries, right down to us. Listen to him. Now, theologians call this transfiguration a symbolic narrative. And it kind of works like a trailer at the movies. You know, we sit down and you watch a movie. You're in the cinema and you watch a movie. Before your movie comes, you, you watch the trailers, right? And the trailers highlight the parts that make you want to see the whole thing. The Transfiguration text is like a trailer of what will happen. It happens at the end of his life. Jesus will soon be crucified, and yet the disciples see him in all his light, in all his resurrection power, in all his glory. It's almost like a little sneak preview. In the end, Peter, James, John, it's going to be okay. In the end, it's going to be okay. It might not look that way just now, but in the end, if you can remember this, be encouraged. God's in control. God is in control. 
and they watch him being transfigured and surrounded by light. And the word for transfigured means metamorphosis. That's the word that we use when the caterpillar turns into a butterfly. Peter, James, and John are given this vision at actually a low point in their lives because just before the transfiguration happens, Jesus has been telling them that the end is near. He's been telling them that he can tell that his enemies are closing in on him. And he knows that he's coming near the end of his ministry. And he tells his disciples this in advance. But, like most people, you know, the disciples are in denial. I mean, Peter can't stand the thought of Jesus being arrested and executed. And so he always blocks them. Anytime he wants to talk about it, Peter always blocks them. blocks his ears, doesn't want to hear it. And then this transfiguration happens. And if the disciples remember this, it could be a great encouragement to them in their darkest hour when Jesus dies. Because, I mean, what does the vision say? I mean, there he is. He's alive. He's filled with light, transfigured, metamorphosis, made new, resurrection. The darkness does not get the last word. However, they did panic, you know, at the cross. It was much later that they came to see that Jesus was alive. Initially, they were filled with fear. Now, I mentioned earlier that this takes place when Jesus is praying. And I've mentioned already that this happens near the end of his life. And I think it's worth noting that when Jesus is praying on the mountain, his prayer did not remove his enemies that were closing in fast. His prayer didn't really make his life easier in the sense that his troubles were removed and he wouldn't have to go through Gethsemane where he suffered and he wouldn't have to face the cross and he wouldn't have to die. What the prayer did was, it didn't remove his troubles, but what, it, what the prayer did was it filled him with the presence of God and he changed metamorphosis. He changed. It filled him with a sense that he was not alone, that God was in control. No matter what happened, his heavenly father was in control. And I think that he's modeling what can happen to us when we pray. The circumstances don't necessarily change. We change. We are not the same. So I'm suggesting that Jesus was transfigured, Jesus was changed, Jesus was transformed when he prayed. That's why he's filled with light. Actually, you can read about the same occurrence happening with Moses. His face shone with light when he was in God's presence. And any time we have light in the scripture is symbolic of God's presence. So I'm suggesting that what happens with prayer primarily is that we change. 
In a less dramatic and a less obvious way, the same thing happens to us over time, over a lifetime. We change, we are transfigured, we are transformed, we are becoming all that we were created to be when we pray. We are growing into our true self. Or biblically, another way of saying it is biblically, we are taking on our Christ-like nature. Or, a more common way, it looks like when we pray, when we connect with God, we start to drop the baggage of all the hurt and all the fear and all the anger and all the greed and a million other things that would trip us up and hold us back and a transfiguration of sorts begins to happen over a lifetime. I think he's modeling for us what can happen when we pray. And I think that many times we pray for other people to change. They don't change. We pray for circumstances to, to change. They don't change. We pray for people to get healed. They don't get healed. Not always. So what are we to make of this? I'm suggesting that we always, always change when we pray. David Loss, one of my favourite theologians, says, we pray because it's a vital way of remaining in relationship. Just as we pour out our hearts to a friend or a lover or a family member, not in the expectation that they're going to do something about it, but because we need someone to share with. And as we share, the relationship grows stronger. Anytime we talk to God, with words, without words, it could even be a sigh. Anytime we talk to God, anytime we communicate, anytime we open ourselves, we are tuning ourselves to God and our relationship gets stronger. In fact, it's entirely possible that when we do pray, our prayers, our heart desires, heart desire, prayer, similar things, when we, when we pray, our heart desires may, may begin to actually change as God helps us how to pray. This was St. Paul's teaching in Romans 8. The Spirit intercedes for us. So Paul's saying, don't worry about getting the words right. You don't have to worry about words at all. Because the Spirit of God, the energy of God, the life force of God is in you communicating, praying on your behalf. Isn't that great? That the Spirit intercedes for us, that we don't have to worry about praying correctly? In fact, it was St. Paul, he was, another, he was the one who taught that you, we need to learn how to pray without ceasing. Now, that's nothing to do with repeating the Lord's Prayer constantly or some other prayer. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5. I, I think what it means is, to pray without ceasing, I think what it means is, I come to the point where... The subtext, I'm always considering God's ways. And the decision between prayer and my thoughts and my desires and prayer, they just marry. Because the, the subtext of my life is, 
and trusting that you're at work in us. Whatever it would be, I'm trusting that you're at work in us. Whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, whatever the trouble, whatever the challenge, whatever the joy, whatever the opportunity, I'm trusting that you are at work in this, even if the even if the circumstances never change. We change. God changes us at our deepest levels and frees us. That's the power of prayer. That's the power of prayer. And there's the heart cry for us. There's our prayer and our heart cry. Whatever the circumstances, whatever the situation, yeah, we're trusting that God is at work in us and in the situations we face, whether anything changes on the surface or not. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join me again next week for another episode.